Hebrews 11, 11 to 12. By faith, Hebrews 11, 11 to 12. Um, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And so from this one man, and he is as good as dead, came descendant as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless <clears throat> as the sand of the seashore. Let's read that two verses one more time. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And so from this one man, and he is as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the sky, as the star of the sky, and countless as the sand of the seashore. I think verse 12 is pretty appropriate to our church, isn't it? Yeah. But God, God can get out of one man, and he is as good as dead, as numerous descendant that is as numerous as the star of the sky, and countless as the sand of the seashore. If God can do that with Abraham, he can do that with us. Amen. Yeah. Let's just uh, <clears throat> dig a little bit into that text. So uh, these two verses are kind of like um, a little bit hard to, uh, to understand. Even in the Greek, it's a little bit difficult. And the reason is um, the faith of Sarah is really um, kind of a strange topic in the scripture. Like we read a lot about the faith of Abraham, but nowhere else pretty much except here in Hebrews 11, 11, that we read about the faith of Sarah. Everywhere else in the scripture, we never hear about that. So that verse is odd in so many ways. It, 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 the way we understand it, the Greek construction of that verse, everything about that verse is a little bit uh, strange. And there's actually two different readings of that verse. Uh, according to the Greek, you can read it one of two ways. The first reading is, and by faith, even Sarah, who has passed the childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had promised. That's the reading we just did. The second possible reading is this by faith and then there is this interruptive clause even sarah herself who was barren by faith even sarah herself was barren he received the ability to conceive he here will be a reference to abraham which abraham has been the subject of our discussion from verse 8 really all the way to verse 15 the whole passage is talking about the faith of Abraham so the idea here is this and even by faith Abraham in spite of the fact that Sarah herself was barren he received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since he considered him faithful who has promised so these are the two possible readings um, for that verse that the subject can either be Sarah or that the subject can be Abraham the second reading, which is the subject is Abraham, is actually um, has some support behind it, but has some problems with it too. The support behind it is uh, that phrase in, in, in Greek, to receive the ability to conceive, is in Greek, uh, goes like this, heis katapolen spermatas. And there's a reason why I, I, uh, I wrote it in Greek here for you guys. What is that? We understand. Okay, uh, it's really an idiom in Greek, and it's only uh, applies to the male function in procreation. In 
in the context of that time, the first century Judaism, the Greek, that, that phrase right there is an idiom that only applies to the male function of procreation. The reason why I wrote it is the last word is spermatas, from which we get the word sperm in English. So it really shows you that this, is, this, this idiom right here only applies to the male function, not the female function in the act of procreation. The second reason why this is more likely to be referenced to Abraham than Sarah, again, Abraham has been the subject of this passage from verse 8 all the, ver all the way to verse pretty much 17. It's all about the faith of Abraham. We saw in, in Hebrews 11:8 by faith, when Abraham was called, he obeyed. We've seen that by faith he wandered in the land of the promise as a stranger. Now we see that by faith he, he was enabled to conceive Isaac. And then later on in verse 13, we see that by faith when he was tested, he offered up um, Isaac, the one by which he received the promises. So it makes sense if the author of Hebrews is talking about the faith of Abraham through and through in that passage, that this part also will be a reference to the faith of Abraham. You guys are with me? Now, the problem with this is all uh, this reading is hinging on having one word in Greek, which is the word barren, which is in reading number B, it says this, by faith, even Sarah herself being barren, he, could, he received the ability to conceive. The word barren here, or sterile in Greek, is actually existing in some of the manuscript, but it doesn't exist in all the manuscripts. So it all hinges down if the word, if this word barren here is authentic or not authentic. And there is support from the Greek manuscript for both arguments that it can be authentic and it cannot be authentic. You guys are with me? If it's there, then the most likely the subject is Abraham. If it's not there, that word barren, then most likely the subject is Sarah. The flip side of that is the word herself. Even Sarah herself in Greek, more likely trying to sway us that the subject here is Sarah, not Abraham. What is the bottom line? The bottom line is both readings are problematic, okay? <laughs> and you cannot have uh, one reading that you would say, this is more likely than the other. I personally, think that the second reading is more accurate by faith Abraham, and in spite of Sarah's being barren, he received the ability to conceive, just because everywhere else in the scripture, we always read about the faith of Abraham. That's where I personally fall, so the good news is whether the subject here is Abraham or, or Sarah, it doesn't matter to us today, because we're going to talk about their faith, the faith itself, not the person of the faith. Amen? So let's move forward. In that passage, whether the subject is Sarah or Abraham, we see three characters of that faith. And um, I feel like, honestly, I feel like God might be speaking to me more than anybody else today about these uh, topics, these three characters of faith. Number one, we read that uh, this kind of faith is a power-given faith. It enables you to do things. That's what faith does. It says here this in verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive. So faith gives Sarah the power to do something. But number two, it's a God-focused faith. And that's what we read in, um, if we continue, since Sarah or Abraham considered him faithful who had 
promised. So this faith is God-focused faith. It's not focusing on the circumstances. It's focused on who God is, that he is faithful to what he has promised to do. And number three, it's a miracle-doing faith. And that's what we see in, in verse 12, that from one man and him as good as dead came descended as numerous as the stars of the sky and countless as the sand of the seashore. Amen? So three things here. Uh, let's say it together and then we'll move forward. Number one, it's a <clears throat> power-given faith. Number two, it's a God-focused faith. Number three, it's a miracle-doing faith. Let's go with number one. The, it's a power-given faith. That's what we read in verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself, or Abraham, in spite of Sarah's barrenness, he received the power to conceive. Now, the word power here to conceive, receive power, is the Greek word dunamis. And this word can mean one of two things. Very, they can overlap with each other. But the idea here is, it's an inherited power. It's power within. And it's also a miracle doing power. When Jesus said, you shall receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, he used that exact same Greek word dunamis. So it's... The idea here that the author of Hebrews is telling us is by faith, Abraham received power within himself so he can do the miraculous. Isn't that crazy? <coughs> by faith, Abraham received power within himself so he can do the miraculous things. What the author of Hebrews is telling us this. Weakness, even deadness. I mean, at that point, Abraham was 100 years old, as good as dead, the scripture says. But weakness, even deadness, plus faith equal miracles. This is a strange equation, but that's how, how it works in God's economics. Dead plus faith equal miracles. But again, faith here is to trust in the actual promises of God. I'm not telling you that if you have a dead situation or I have a dead situation, you can trust that God will risk you out of that situation. You have to make sure that God promised that he will get you out of that situation. You guys are with me? Because if you assume it's God's promise, you can trust God all that you want. It's not going to happen. Amen? Okay. Now, for our church, we know it's God's promise that he said, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face i will hear from heaven amen god did not say i might god did not say i i'll think about it god said that he will surely um intervene from heaven and heal our land amen yeah. so even though we're weak even though we're almost as good as dead i'm just encouraging us i'm encouraging myself this morning to keep on trusting in god because his promises are true he is a faithful and an able god and he still can do miracles amen, amen. Deadness plus faith equal miracle. Now, that phrase um, that Abraham, um, Abraham received power through faith is actually echoes what the author of Hebrews later on in the chapter described how the cloud of witnesses were affected by faith. So he's saying nine different things about them in verse 33 to verse 34. He says, out of, uh, they, they, they conquered nations, they escaped the edge of the sword, all by faith, they quenched the, the fire. He keeps saying how the things they accomplished through faith. And one of the things that the cloud of witnesses accomplished through faith is this, who through faith out of weakness they were made 
strong. They received strength out of their own weakness by faith. And that's precisely what he's telling us here about Abraham, that in spite of the fact that he was weak and as good as dead, by faith he received power. He was enabled to conceive seed. Amen? And in the Old Testament, just to name a couple of examples, we see that even though the situation can be so desperate and even dead, God still, through faith, can breathe life into that situation and do miraculous things. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Gideon, in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges. Gideon was in, in, in Judges 6, 14 and 15. Uh, Israel was harassed by the Midianite of that time, and Israel was under the oppression of Midian for so long. So God, came to, God comes to Gideon and asks him to deliver his people. And he says this, um, Judges 6, 14 to 15, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, now Gideon is answering, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's household. So you, here you have somebody who is so weak, just like Abraham, who was weak and even as good as dead. Yet out of that weakness, God gave him a promise that he can go and save Mid Mid Israel from the hand of Midian. And he trusted God and he, committed, he collected that large army. But then God comes to Gideon and says, you know, this is too big for me. I, I don't want to use all these people because if I use that large army, then Israel would brag and say, we got saved because of our own strength. And he sorted them through. God sorted the people through. And he ended up with 300 people. And God said, with these 300 people, I will save Israel. Now, you look at the 300 people, that's absolutely weak number compared to the massive need that, of the large army of the Midianites. Look at how that, the Bible described the army of the Midianites at that time in Judges 7, 12. With 300 people, he defeated the Midianites and the Amalekites Look at that scripture, describe them. All the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without count as the sand of the seashore in multitude. This is the army that the 300 people went against. There were numerous as the, sea of, uh, as the sand on the seashore and countless, huge army. You look at the 300 people and you say, this is too weak. For that massive need. But think about that. Weakness plus faith in the promise of God. In the actual promise of God. Ended up doing miracles. And the 300 people defeated the army of the Amalekites and the Midianites. They didn't even have to fight. They didn't have to raise a sword. God just took care of the whole battle. They just blew the trumpet. And they won the battle. Amen. Jonathan. That's another example in the Old Testament. At that time in 1 Samuel 13 and 22. There was a time of battle between the Palestinians and, and Israel. And the situation of Israel was pretty dire. Look at that, 1 Samuel 13, 22. So it came about on the day of the battle, that's the day of the battle, okay, that there was neither a sword or spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. So the swords were only found in the hand of two people, Saul and Jonathan, amen? This is on the day of the battle. Imagine, you have an army, but none of these army people have swords or weapons in their hand, except, 
except the king and his son. And they're going to battle against another army. I don't know about you, that, sound looks, that looks pretty bad, doesn't it? But God has promised. Look at the faith of Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14 and 6. Then Jonathan said to his young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. If it may that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving, using by many or by few. Look at the faith of Jonathan. He said, you know what? We might be two people, me and my, I mean, Saul was, was, not, was good for nothing, really. He was so scared himself. So it's really with Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan said, I know it's only two of us. And I know that we're going to go against an army. But I also know that the Lord does not restrain by saving using many or using few. Out of weakness, they were made strong by faith. Just like Abraham, who through faith received physical power so he can conceive. Amen? Like, for us, the same situation. It's, it's, when you look at how bad our church situation is, it's pretty discouraging. It's pretty sad, right? And, but if you look on God and his ability and how he can change things, then out of our weakness and even out of our, the deadness of our church, I, I honestly truly believe that God can breathe life into us and he can make this place a display for his glory. Amen? Amen. We just have to keep seeking, right? We have to keep uh, going after God full-hearted and keep pleading with him that he will do it. And he promised that he will do that. And he is able to do that as well. Amen? So um, the faith that Abraham had is a power-giving faith, a power-enabling faith. But number two, it's a God-focused faith. Amen? Abraham's faith wasn't a, a stupid, dumb faith. He didn't... Just say, you know what, I know that Sarah is nine years old and I'm a hundred years old, but hey, I'm going to decide to, 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 this, to trust that we, we're going to have kids anyways. Abraham's faith was not focused on his circumstances. Abraham's faith was focused on the promise and who God is. And he said that God who promised is faithful. And in spite of the fact that I don't see with my physical eye that, there, that the promise of God is even feasible at this point. Sarah's womb is dead. I am as good as dead. I am incapable at this point of 100 years old to have any kids. And in spite of the fact that everything around me tells me that it is not going to happen, I know that God is faithful to his promise and that his promise is true. And he can still work it out and turn out and fulfill his very own promises. Amen? And for you and me, let's just do that as well. I know... I don't know what the Lord has for us, but let's just keep focusing on God, his faithfulness, and keep praying, and keep seeking, and keep asking, and not to give up, because it doesn't matter how dead our situation is, the one who promised is faithful. Amen? Paul wrote something similar to the faith of Abraham that the author of Hebrews discussed here. Uh, Paul wrote similarly in, in, in Romans 4, 16 to 21. I want to read the whole passage, because it's just so powerful. Here is what Paul wrote. But also to those who are uh, of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now he's talking about the faith of Abraham, and here is what Abraham trusted in. In the presence of whom he believed, look at this, God who gives life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they do. 
Amen? This is our God. He gives life to the dead. Now, when you get to the point that somebody is dead, that's the end of it, right? You should just wrap it up and go because it's, it's done. The person is dead. But even when the situation is done and the person is dead, our God is still the God who can give life to the dead and call the things that do not exist as though they do. Who? Abraham. Contrary to the hope, in hope believed. Isn't that just powerful? Contrary to hope. Everything around him doesn't give him any hope at that point. Yet against hope, he hoped. Right? Uh, whom uh, contrary to hope he in hope believed so that so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendant be and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead the exact same phrase that the author of hebrews used the exact same greek word uh, him being as good as dead is the exact same greek word that paul is using here already dead um, since he was without, he was about hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver of the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. Look at that, this exact same wording almost, but was strengthened by faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced. The same, almost the exact same word that he was convinced. He counted him faithful, um, being fully convinced that he. That what he had promised, he is also able to perform. Amen? In spite of his situation, Abraham trusted in the God of promise. And in, in Romans, Paul tells us that Abraham counted God what? The last phrase, last phrase of that verse, verse 21. Being fully con convinced that, he that what he had promised, he also is able to perform in hebrews the author of hebrews tells us that abraham was convinced that god is faithful romans he's able abraham in, in hebrews he's faithful so regardless of our situation how difficult it is for you personally or for our church our god is both he's able and he's faithful and that's good news for us this morning amen we might be five people, but God is still able to revive our church. Amen? Amen? And God is faithful to fulfill his promise in spite of the fact that everything against us doesn't give us hope that he will ever do it. But against hope, we can hope today that our God is able and he is faithful to breathe life into a very deadness of our situation. And he can revive it and he can make, do mighty works. Amen? Amen. Regardless of the distance of our situation, our God is both faithful and able. Now, we have seen the verb, back to Hebrews now, uh, Abraham counted him who promised to be faithful. The word promised here, um, we've seen it in the, in the book of Hebrews about four times. We've seen it already in chapter 6, verse 13 to 15. Talks about actually God making, making the promise to Abraham in Hebrews 6, 13 to 15 says this. When God made the promise to Abraham because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessings I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he obtained the, the promise. We see the exact same almost wording in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is 
faithful. Almost the exact same wording that we see again in Hebrews 11, 11, that God has promised Abraham and Abraham trusted that the one who promises is faithful. And we see the exact same thing again in, Hebrew, in Hebrews 12 later on next chapter. Now, let me just point our attention to one small thing here. In Hebrews 6, God gave Abraham a promise. And Abraham obtained that promise because he endured. So in Hebrews 6, the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to endure. He's talking about the role of endurance and perseverance in obtaining the promises of God. Amen? But here in Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews is talking about the role of faith in obtaining the promises of God. So both are needed. We need endurance and we need faith and trust. And with these two, we can obtain the very promises of God. Amen? Amen. So we're talking, we talked about two different things so far about faith. The faith of Abraham that we need to have as well. Number one, it's a power given faith. Number two, it's a God-focused faith. And number three, it's a miracle-doing faith. That's verse 12, pretty much. It says, because so that, let's read verse 12 together, or the, just the first part of it. Here is what the author of Hebrews said, verse 12. Um, I don't have the beginning, but let's read. Um, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead. The beginning here, and so from this one man, it's like, and because of his faith, out of his deadness came as many descendants as the, the, the star of the sea. So the author of Hebrews, the star of the sky, the author of Hebrews here is using a cause-effect relationship to tell us that because of Abraham's faith, that the descendants have come. And so from this one man, it's because of that faith that God fulfilled his promise and the descendant was as numerous as the star of the sky. Amen? Amen? Obviously, it is not the faith of Abraham that fulfilled that promise. It is God promised him and God gave him the fulfillment of that promise because of who God is, right? And even when you go back to the book of Genesis, Abraham really wasn't uh, having a lot of faith. When God told him, hey, you know, I'll give you Isaac, he laughed and said, don't worry about Isaac for now. Let's just have Ishmael live before you. That's good enough for me, right? And over and over again, we see Abraham doubting God. And, and I mean, that I guess that's encouraging for us that even though we can be weak in faith, God's still faithful. But the point here is the author of Hebrews is talking in this manner to show his readers and us the importance of faith. That it is because of faith that we can receive the very fulfillment of God's promises. Amen? Amen. Remember that. It's without faith, the author of Hebrews already told us, it is impossible to please God. Amen? I just... Uh, I'm going to read this part because I just love how uh, William Lane put this one. Look at this. The reliability of God in under is underscored in the contrast between the singularity of Abraham from one man and the inimmeasurable, inimmeasurable plurality of his physical descendant. From one man came as many people as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Amen? That fast contrast from, from one man and him as good as did to the multitudes of the descendants show us how God is reliable and how he is able to do a mighty work. Not out of multitudes, he got a larger multitude. Not out of a young man who's healthy and perfect to reproduce. God got, God got few people or few descendants. 
abundance. No, out of one man, and he as good as dead, God is able to get as numerous of the stars of the sky and as the uh, sand of the seashore. Amen? Amen? This is how powerful God is. And this is the kind of work that God can do. God doesn't work like the way we work. He doesn't, like look at the, the early church. In the morning of the day of Pentecost, you wake up, the morning of the day of Pentecost, there's 120 disciples and they're all scattered, scared. They're in the upper room praying and they're just scared for their lives pretty much and so terrified of what's going on, right? At the end of the day, this 120 disciples became 3,120 disciples. Amen? Now, I don't know, but this is kind of like amazing church growth. Because God showed up and he took the 120 scared disciples and he multiplied them so radically that by the end of the day, they, I don't know, what's the percentage, 100 to 3,000. That's 30 folds, almost the exact numbers that they started with in one day. Amen? This is the kind of power, the kind of ability that our God has. This is the kind of miracles that our faith can activate when we continue in trusting in God and continue on pursuing Him in spite of the fact that everything around us tells us that we should not. Amen? And that got me thinking. Remember how the author of Hebrews here tells us that God from, from one man and him as good as dead, God was able to get descendant as numerous as the star of the sky and as countless at the sand of the seashore. The author of uh, the Paul in the book of Romans gives us something similar to this wording. He said that God is able to give life to the dead. Amen? And that made me thinking about how throughout the scripture, this is really who our God is. Our God is specialized in, in taking dead situations, breathing life into these very dead situations, and get something absolutely magnificent, mind-blowing out of the very deadness of the situation. Amen? Even from the story of creation, God took the darkness, God took the mass and the deadness of the universe that was pretty much a mess. And God said one word, and what happened out of this mass? God created a wonderful world and, he, world and he looked at it and he saw that everything he created was beautiful. This is what our God did. Amen. He took the deadness and the mass of the universe and made something very beautiful in his own eyes just by one word from his mouth. Out of the dust of the sea, he brought forth Adam who is a living soul. Out of the deadness of Sarah's womb that we're talking about, he brought forth Isaac, the son of the promise, not just your average kid who grew up to be a good man, family man, good father, and all this stuff. This is the son of the promise through which God has blessed every single people group in this world. Amen? Where did the son of the promise come from? comes from a dead womb. Amen? Out of the deadness of Rebecca's womb, Rebecca also was worried. What the, barren. What does God do with that? He did not bring forth one nation. He brought forth two nations out of that dead womb. Out of the deadness of Rachel's womb, Rachel was not, she was barren. She couldn't have kids for the longest time. Um, Joseph was number 11, and actually 12 if you count the daughter for, of, of Jacob's children. She, Rachel watched 11 kids were born to her husband, and she's still barren. But out of the deadness of Rachel's womb, what does God do? What does he bring forth? He brings forth Joseph, the one who worshipped, who was worshipped at that time but by every single living soul in the world of that time. You guys see what I'm trying to say here? Out of the mess, out of the absolute utter deadness, God could give something, something that is absolutely mind-blowing. 
out of the very dry bones. In Ezekiel 37, God brought forth a very mighty army. Out of the ashes, God can bring forth beauty. Out of the mourning, God can bring forth joy. Out of the grave, God has brought forth the prince of life. Amen? Even your situation and my situation, out of the very deadness of our sins and trespasses, God brought forth vessels of mercy, vessels of glory, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And even when we all die and decay and rotten in the grave, out of that very stinky, stinchy rot that we're going to be in, God will bring forth glorious immortal bodies. This is what God does. He takes the, dead, the deadliest of all and he gets something so wonderful out of that. Amen? He is the God who can give life to the dead and call things that doesn't exist as though they do. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, that gives me hope today. That even though we're as good as dead, God can still do something great for the sake of the name of Jesus here in our very midst. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's just keep trusting and keep believing and keep hoping. Let me just close with that thought in Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. Now, this is the following passage. We read this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, right? Why did he offer up Isaac? Here, here is what the author of Hebrews telling us. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. The author of Hebrews is telling us that when God tested Abraham in, in, in Genesis 22, Abraham was willing to obey because Abraham thought that even if he slaughtered his own son and his son dies, God is still able to raise Isaac from the dead. dead. Where, where would Abraham get that? theology from? What would he learn that God can raise people from the dead? It's from his own personal experience. Amen? Because Abraham had seen that he was as good as dead and yet God gave him Isaac. Abraham had seen that Sarah's womb was dead and barren and sterile. Yet God breathed life into that deadness of Sarah's womb and Isaac came forth. Abraham thought to himself, hey, if God can resurrect my deadness, if God can resurrect the, resurrect the, the deadness of Sarah, therefore even though Isaac may die, God would still be able to raise him up from that dead. And because of that because of his past experience Abraham was able to succeed when God tested him amen yeah. what I'm trying to say is that faith begets faith right you trust God in something small God comes through you see that he's faithful next time God asks you for something a bit bigger you now a little bit more emboldened to trust God because you have experienced God and because you have tasted and seen him his faithfulness and ability now you can trust him for something bigger and faith begets faith and the more you trust God the more harder thing the more you trust God the more you're gonna trust him in harder things amen, amen. All right, so what is the kind of faith that God wants from us today? He wants us to have this uh, threefold description of faith. Number one, he wants he want us to have that power-given faith. Not to lose heart this morning. Again, I feel like God is preaching to me, not to you. Not to lose heart this morning because through faith we can be strengthened. Through faith we can be emboldened. Amen? Number two, it's a God-focused faith. Don't Let's not focus on our situation. Let's focus on the faithfulness and the ability of God. Number three, it's a miracle doing God, a miracle doing faith. God can, through our faith, do mighty, mighty, mighty things. It doesn't matter how dead we are. God can breathe life into the very deadness of our situation and mighty things can happen. Amen? Can we pray a little bit more? Amen.